Greetings, my name is Griffin Schaefer. And my name is Scott Peterson. And my name is Alan McPherson. And this is episode 43 of Inside Quizzing. A podcast about Bible quizzing for folks who love the Bible. And as you can tell from our intro, we have a special guest uh, on our podcast uh, today for episode 43. It's Alan, uh, Alan McPherson, if I can say that without stuttering, who <laughs> hails from the awesome Metro District. And I, I got to meet Alan and his lovely wife and his team uh, from Metro just a few weeks ago at Internationals down in Orlando, Florida. So it's fantastic to have him on the show. And we're going to be spending some time talking about some of the uh, things that Metro is doing, some of the stuff that P&W is doing. Uh, we're going to talk about some stuff that we've done in our past in terms of different styles of quizzing. And we'll be talking about uh, some coaching trade secrets, revealing uh, how to encourage kids and equip kids in quizzing. All three of us here have uh, been a coach at differing levels and differing styles and so forth. So we'll talk about that a bit. Uh, uh, Alan in particular and his wife are focusing on church recruitment or trying to grow their district. I myself in PNW am working on church recruitment, uh, at the moment. And so we'll be sharing some strategies and some ideas around that. Alan promises us that he has a weird PNW story, which I have honestly no idea what it is. And I'm genuinely looking forward to chatting about it. And then we have a couple of uh, quick PNW announcements towards the end. So with that uh, being said, uh, I'll just introduce and welcome Alan to the show. Alan McPherson is a international school or former, and he no longer <laughs> is an international quizzer, former international quizzer. He made it four years uh, in 99, in 2001, two and three. Uh, he was a world quizzer. Uh, for those of you who are aware of the world program, uh, he was a world quizzer in 98 and in 2000. At present, he is the quiz master for the Metro District. The Metro District is um, sort of, uh, how would you describe it? New York, Long Island, parts of Jersey or all of Jersey? or um, It would be all of New Jersey. It would be the uh, the five boroughs and Long Island because Northeastern takes care of the upstate New York. Excellent. Excellent. Well, in, in, in addition to being Quizmaster for Metro, Alan is, of course, also an internationals coach, uh, internationals coach along with his wife. And that's how I met the, uh, both he and his wife just most re recently. So, Alan, welcome to the show. And it's great to have you. It's such an honor to have you uh, join us. And it's fantastic to talk about various different things. I'd love to kind of dive in a little bit about what Metro is. So can you kind of describe, you talked a little bit about the geography, but kind of talk about what Metro is right now, kind of the churches, how frequently you meet, and and we'll see what kind of things we do similarly and what kind of things we do a little differently. Sure. Well, um, well, first, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. But um, so as far as Metro, I started quizzing in 1990. Oh, the fall of 97 was my first quizzing year. Um, it's actually how my wife and I met. So we would meet once a month with maybe one month where we would have off. Um, so we would start in September. We'd have September, October, maybe or maybe not November. Then we'd have December. We'd have our winter tournament in January. Um, and then maybe we would have February, depending on the logistics. And then March, April, and then May would be our quiz-offs. So we range from six to eight meets, depending on the year, depending on how much material. Um, so this year, I believe we have six meets, if not seven. I have to check the, the schedule because the material is such 
um, a drastic difference from last year. So that's always been our that's that's typically been our schedule. We start school a lot later than a lot of other districts, and we end school a lot later. We start school in September. We end school in June. So we work through that schedule that way. What are some of the structures of each meet? So each meet, um, I guess I'll take this year because I have it on top of my head. We'll have our first quiz September 28th, Hebrews 1 through 7. We have currently, we have two churches. They're large churches, but, um, you know, going from we've back in our quote unquote glory days, we probably had 10 churches in our district. Um, but we have two churches, but we meet once a month. We have each team quizzes three times. Um, we also have our junior division. They each quiz three times. And then we go into top three teams from seniors make the finals, top three teams from juniors make the junior finals. We'll have our finals. We have worship time. And then that would be the end of our quiz day. Um, the only variation from that is our winter tournament in January and then our quiz offs. We, we kind of treat as a mini internationals. We have our teams quiz against each other. We have a, um, a bracket that we set up. So you have to quiz to get into the finals and then we have our finals. You have to quiz to make your way into there. You have to win quizzes to get in instead of having your cumulative points get you there. Your schedule, uh, actually, in terms of start and stop times for the season, is uh, fairly close to ours. We, uh, over here in P&W School, tends to start in September and tends to run through June. Okay. Uh, so we tend to have five district meets, uh, so for all of P&W, and then we'll have the Great West Invitational that we've, you know, Scott and I have been talking about, and I, I know you, you've heard about. And then we'll have, but that's not everybody in the district, obviously. That's just the top 25 quizzers. And right. then we'll have district championships, which is, I guess, technically a sixth district meet, but it's not the entire uh, district. It's just the top certain number of teams, uh, depending upon the, the size of the overall district. But then before any of that starts, so the first district meet starts uh, in October, uh, and this year it's going to start on October 11th. But before that whole sequence begins, we have – it's been going on for – Wow, it's probably close to 15 years now or something like that. Uh, we have what we call a scramble meet, which is a, an open invitational meet at the beginning of the year. This time it's going to be uh, in September uh, in on the 14th, a Saturday-only meet. Normally our meets are Friday and Saturday. This one, the scramble meet, is typically a Saturday-only meet. And everybody shows up. It's open to rookies, people who've never even heard of quizzing. And you can come totally unequipped as a team because we scramble everybody randomly into different teams and we try to match uh, rookies with people who've been in the program for a long time so that it's a great learning and fellowship experience. And of course, none of the scores matter. Um, we're just doing it for fun. Uh, but this is kind of a great way to get people sort of introduced uh, into the program. But in terms of matching you guys, that, that seems to be fairly, uh, fairly similar. What I did pick up that might be something different is you guys have a, and I forget the words that you, you used, a sort of like a senior league and a junior league. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So our juniors go from a third grade to, uh, well, I think they go from about seven years old to 12 years old. And then our seniors will go from 13 all the way up through uh, graduating high school. So our junior quizzers are actually 
those kids are incredible. You know, they don't study the same amount of material. They'll have an abbreviated part of the material, but um, that's kind of how we we motivate our seniors from how good our junior quizzers have been, and then hopefully they carry that up into their senior quizzing. It kind of helps with, you know, the fact that I've been out of the district for a while until about two and a half years ago. So coming back into that, part of what makes our district a little different, because I don't really know how many districts have a juniors and a seniors the way we do. Um, so it, it motivates our seniors. It keeps our district kind of rotating to where we have an influx of quizzers coming in until you know, my wife and I, wherever God wants us to go, grab some other churches and brings them into the district. So they will quiz. Um, that We'll run quizzes between the juniors and seniors all throughout our schedule. So one room would have a junior quiz and then a couple of senior quizzes and then maybe another junior quiz. And then they'll have their own finals at the end of the day, right before we have our senior finals. Very cool. We, yeah, we, uh, we only have a single division. It's uh, ages 12, roughly through the end of high school, but uh, that's really cool how you guys intermix how many rooms do you guys typically run in a in a meet and how many quizzes do you typically uh schedule and like is are your meets like a uh friday saturday saturday sunday how do you kind of work those things uh no we do all of our meets on saturdays so we can drive to the distance between our church in long island um which houses most of our quizzers and then there's a, a church in new jersey they're about two hours away from each other so we can drive, we can we get up early, we'll get to the church, we start quizzing around 11. We're done at about 5.30, 6 o'clock maybe, and then everyone's back home by, you know, maybe we'll stop off and have a, a group dinner, but we're back home by 8.30, 9 o'clock on Saturday night. Very cool. Very cool. We have a bit longer <laughs> distances to go. <laughs> right. um, most folks are within the sort of the greater Seattle area, Puget Sound area. So it's usually not too bad. A few hours here and there okay. kind of stuff. But we do have a few churches from Oregon. One in particular is from Madras, Oregon, which is sort of uh, sort of if you drew a square, I, I guess they'd be sort of right in the middle of the square. Uh, and okay. you know, then the square directly above them is Washington State. With right. Puget Sound kind of being a little bit north and then off to the west a bit from the center. So for those guys, that team, they're road warriors. I mean, they, they usually travel four, five, six, seven hours sometimes, uh, oh, to, wow. to get to meets. It's crazy. Uh, fortunately, they have, uh, family in the Puget Sound area. So oftentimes they'll leg it up like, um, Thursday, uh, evening, stay the night and then come fresh the next day or something like that. If it's a particularly long drive or something, but we do move our district meets around a bit. So one of the district meets is in Madras itself. The other one is over in, uh, Dallas, Oregon, which is sort of lateral to Madras, but much closer to the coast. Uh, still in in from the coast, but uh, west of the Cascade Mountain Range, and okay. so uh, folks from Washington uh, lament about the drive. But uh, I usually remind them, yeah, but keep in mind, Dallas and Madras have to drive that distance for every other meet. So uh, you know, it's it's only fair. Um, we do a Friday and Saturday uh, set of meets. So Friday we start sometime in the evening. Um, this coming year, I think we're going to be starting sometime around six thirty or something. 
Uh, and then we run until about nine thirty or so at night, uh, nine o'clock at night. And then Saturday we'll start up, uh, around eight in the morning with, um, with a, dev- a little short devotions thing, worship and, and, uh, and a message. And then we'll quiz through lunch, take a break for, th- uh, for lunch, quiz in the afternoon, and then, uh, have district championships probably around three or so, give or take a little bit. And then usually be, uh, uh, wrapped up and out by four, four thirty. Kind of depends on what's going on. But that's sort of our general, our general structure. Okay. Okay. That, that sounds super cool to me too. I'm a big proponent of let's quiz as much as humanly possible without killing ourselves. <laughs> right. Right. Indeed. One of our big hurdles, of course, you know, talking about, uh, church recruitment, uh, and, and, and honestly, this isn't probably not related to church recruitment, but mo- probably more, just in the churches who are already involved is the burden of hosting. Uh, right. Certainly a, a first church coming in, we're not going to try to burden them with hosting a meet, but after a while we are going to try to spread around that love a little bit. And uh, it's usually not too difficult for a host church because I mean, essentially you just have to pr- figure out either provide or figure out lunch options on Saturday and make sure the facility is available for Friday and Saturday. But the big sort of obstacle I've been finding in talking with host churches is uh, just ensuring that there are overnight accommodations for everybody. So usually, traditionally, the church uh, body, the church congregation will open up its homes and quizzers will bring sleeping bags and go camp out on somebody's floor for the night. Uh, nice. And that can be a lot of fun and a great experience uh, for the quizzers. Uh, they can bond together and, and get to meet people and develop friendships that way. Okay. That's that's super cool, too. This, it, the fellowship part is what it's probably my favorite part of quizzing now. Um, being a non-quizzer, I, I, I wouldn't say the fellowship was my favorite. I always, I wouldn't say I always wanted to do as well as I did later in my career. I think everybody has a little bit of that, but the fellowship now is just, it, I mean, we want to make the quizzing look like the kingdom of God as much as we can, and fellowship is the biggest part of that. Did you mention how many churches are in Metro right now? Yes. So there are currently two churches in Metro. Um, One, the one in New Jersey is monstrous, um, but they don't have, we don't have a ton of quizzers coming out of there yet. um, But I do believe that God's working in there. And then we have our, our church in Long Island where our entire international team came out of that church um, this year. So the team that, was there was all from that church they're all on the same youth group so we went as a tight-knit group my wife and i don't attend that church but i've been friends with my co-coach timmy chung for well we started quizzing together in 97 so um so we went as a very tight-knit group which was great but the fellowship part i i kind of make my team go sit with other teams hmm. and i'm larger and more intimidating than anyone they know but godly so (laughs) i kind of i kind of it's more of an exciting thing once they get there because they realize that oh we're just a bunch of people who love god and do bible quizzing and you know we're not all scary so one thing i've noticed is that pnw we hold very very long quiz meets and quiz a lot relative to most other districts because we have a pretty full slate of five or six quiz quiz meets a year which is fewer than say metro or 
um, North Central, who has, I think, eight or nine. Oh, wow. But we're quizzing, uh, but I believe North Central quizzes three times each quiz meet, as you guys do, three or right. four, depending on if you make champs. But we quiz, our teams quiz a minimum of eight times. And, oh, um, wow. It's usually eight, nine, or ten quizzes a meet for each team. And then for the team that makes finals, it can be up to 14. It's usually around the 12 mark, but there are teams that have their six prelims and then have to qualify finals through quiz I, and then finals goes three or four quizzes. And so our teams are quizzing between 45 and 70 quizzes a year. Wow. Um, Okay. So, yeah. Drastic differences. Do you think that that is better, worse, or um, it's just status quo now? Like, would you, do you think that's too much quizzing, not enough, or just the right amount? I mean, I think we, we try to push it to as many quizzes as, as is logistically possible. And I think we're bumping up, bumping up against the logistics. So for example, we run six prelims per team and we have 20 to 25 teams in a given year. But when I quizzed, we had over 40 teams. Right. And we only had, we only had three prelims because that's all the time we had. Right. Um, and so if our district grew a little bit, we probably would have to bump it right down to three prelims. So okay. it's, and it's definitely, it's definitely dictated by what we can do in the time that we have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I mean, when we were a larger district, it was kind of the same. Like the three prelims was pretty much what we could have. And, you know, we had a huge district that, which is, which helped us be more competitive. I would say, um, at the top end. You've had some good teams over the course of the last few years, but you said, I don't know if it was two or three podcasts ago, like there's a difference between the, you know, the PNWs, the Western Canada's, Canadian Midwest, Northeastern, um, Western PA. I believe there's another district in there that I'm missing. That's one of those consistent, consistent, great districts. And I think, yeah, uh, no, it, it's not always about the size. But it's just about the quality of the quizzer. And it does help to have enough quizzers to where you can pick out of different areas. But I, I think there's something to be said for the more quizzing you do, it prepares your kids to be at that international's grind. Definitely. And then the districts that are able to send more than one team, it's just adding experience that yes. makes those quizzers better in future years. And it, yeah, it's a big, big, big um, snowball effect there. But yeah, the stat that you were mentioning is Western PA, their average quizzer they send to internationals is average in 18 um, over the last about 15 years. Right. CMD is at 16, Western Canada is at 15, PNW and Northeastern is at 14, Eastern Canada is at almost 13, right. Metro is 7th at 12. Right. Half per, then there's teams at 11 and three teams at 10. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's... You know, and, and there's a, I think there's a reason for that. I think having former quizzers stay current and quizzing also helps a lot too. You know, it's, it's definitely great to see, you know, people and have familiarity and longevity that definitely breeds. Okay. I've seen, a, I've pretty much seen every type of quizzing that there is. So you can adjust anything. And what you said about the two teams, we sent two teams, not this internationals um, a month ago, but last year. So the team that we sent, we spent two teams last year, one finished 10th, one Constellation A, and then the team, three of the four on this team this year finished last last year. I think they scored 37 points total, um, and this year they were 12th after prelims with 80, 
80, 89 points, I think. So they scored over 50 more points this year, just going there and getting the experience. So that two teams thing, it may seem like it's, you know, why would you send two teams if you're not expecting both of them to be great? That is a very clear reason of why it's important to send as many kids to internationals who can compete a little bit um, as you can, because it definitely helps them in the future. Very cool. Well, with that uh, discussed, uh, one of the things that I overheard in our show prep was this term winter nationals. You know, Scott and I have been uh, talking on and on about great the Great West Invitational or, or uh, Great West uh, over and over again. Uh, and so Alan mentioned this term winter nationals. Uh, kind of tell us what that's all about. Awesome. So Winter Nationals, um, I'll give a brief history and then bring you up to speed now. Winter Nationals was um, was typically Metro, Northeastern. Um, back when New England had a district, it was New England. We would have Eastern Canada come, Central Canada every once in a while. And then in the past, we had WPA come, uh, Central and Ohio Valley come as well. So there were a lot of years where all of those districts converged, and it would be Martin Luther King Jr. weekend in January up in upstate New York. We'd get there Friday. Um, we'd quiz all day Saturday. We'd wake up Sunday. We'd have our devotional time and worship, and then we'd do our, um, our, top, our top nine pretty much to see who gets to the finals there. So that was our version of what your Great West is. Um, not as many districts, but you guys have such, you know, larger districts that, you know, you could accommodate having, you know, we had 20 to 25 teams. You can have that between your three districts easily. But we had that. And um, I quizzed at, at Winter Nationals every year, and it made me a better quizzer, it made me study better, and it made fellowship so much greater. And then over the course of... The last few years, uh, Western PA started their own tournament around that um, same time of the year, which is probably logistically better for them and better for the Ohio Valleys, the Great Lakes, um, you know, the, the Centrals as well. And so we would be Metro Northeastern and Eastern Canada at Winter Nationals, and the other districts would go to the WPA tournament. So I'm not sure logistically if that's still going on now, but my, my, my quizzing Allen dream, if I could have a genie like Aladdin would be to have winter nationals be all of those districts again, because it's just so important. One that we all can fellowship as much as we can, if possible. And two, I just think it makes everybody better quizzers. And I think it makes people better districts. And I think it makes the quizzers more well-rounded because they get to see more people who aren't the people that they're used to seeing all, all the time. Was that yeah, meet ever held at um, um, Crown? No, no. So um, that meet is always held at a place called Camp Sagandaga in upstate New York. So that is always where gotcha. Winter Nationals has been. Very cool. Well, between the three of us, I think we've coached uh, at least a handful of different teams, both at the district level and uh, Great West level and internationals level. Right. And, uh, all, you know, different teams of different qualities and sizes and structures and so forth. So, uh, Alan, why don't we start with you and then Scott come in after. Uh, talk about kind of the what are sort of the coaching trade secrets or sort of um, 
uh, tips and tricks that you might have with coaches who are either just starting into the program, thinking about uh, putting a team together and trying to help encourage that team and equip that team? And what are some ideas that you have for uh, veteran coaches who've been around but are looking for something new to try to add to their repertoire? It's a really good question. Um, so my first, I've never coached at the district level. I've only coached international teams. Um, my first internationals coaching year was 2005 in Calgary. Alan was a horrible coach then. <laughs> and I had just uh, two years removed from quizzing and I didn't understand how nerve wracking it was not having any control over what was happening until that year. And then that hit me like a truck. So the next year, 06, it was more of a, that's when I learned that you have to coach individuals and then coach the team. You have to know what each other's strengths are personality-wise as well. So I tried to tap into anyone I coach's personality, figure out what they like, what they don't like, engage in what they like, you know, what they don't like so they feel comfortable with you being their coach and you spending so much time with them there. Um so that's one thing. So we finished, I think we finished 20th that first year. And then I coached in 06 and 07. We finished sixth and ninth respectively, I believe. So there's something to be said about putting your quizzers at ease um, so that you are someone who they can trust and not just an authoritative figure for them. Um, the other thing that I've learned with the last two years, I've coached our, so I coached our quote-unquote B team last year, and then this year was that team plus a rookie that we had. And that's just, you know, honoring God with developing them, whether it's devotional time during practice, whether it's fun time during practice, not letting quizzing be the center of everything always, I think helps them relax a little bit more. What I'm learning this year is that learn the material along with them. Uh, my wife and I are going to be quizzing in October, actually, up in Northeastern, so that's going to be super fun. So, um, And I remember Scott saying that he wouldn't have quizzers start memorizing until right about now. Um, I was always the weird quizzer who, like, I'm three chapters in the Hebrews right now. <laughs> so, um, But I think learning the material with them so that you can help them understand a little bit of the nuances of it gets them engaged into it as well. So I would say those three things, just understand that God's in control and don't overexert yourself, but put him in control and let him use you. Coach the individual, meet them where they are, and then get into the material yourself. Great advice. Scott, what do you think? Well, it, as it would turn out, I've never coached at the district level either, and I've coached at the internationals level only a limited number of times. Um, but I, I definitely agree with figuring out where quizzers are because People learn best when they are challenged uh, just beyond whatever level they are currently at. So talking with quizzers and finding out what their motivations are and gauging where their abilities are and challenging them at a reasonable level where they're currently at is the best way to help them grow. And that's going to be different for every single quizzer and definitely different among levels of quizzing. Um, yeah, I think that's my biggest encouragement to coaches is figure out what's that small increment challenge that you can give to a quizzer um, and really do a lot of the self-assessment for them so that they don't have to. Um, and I did this a lot at the internationals level because to really be successful, I have a 
kind of a pet theory that you have to be an individual quizzer has to be one of the five best quizzers at this, that question internationals. And it takes a tremendous amount of work to be one of the five best at a question type. And if pretty much any quizzer tries to be that for more than two or three or four types, they're not going to be top five in any of the types. And so as a coach, it's your job to give them something manageable that they can really excel at and be super, super, um, be a great contributor to the team. Because there are, there are just some rare quizzers that, um, score regardless of, um, I don't know. It just seems like they score at international. (laughs) Um, and for, that's a small, small number. And for, I think it's the coach's responsibility to give them manageable and give them the tools to become really great at a given question type or a given book or something a little bit smaller. Yeah. Well, most of my coaching experience has been at the district level. I, I've I've coached at internationals and I've coached at Great West a couple of times or three times. I forget exactly. Um, but most of my experience has been at the at the district level. Uh, from my so I agree with everything you guys have said. Um, from my perspective, I think at the district level, there's a couple of things I think coaches need to sort of keep in mind. And I guess this also ha- is true at internationals as well. Uh, the, the coach is kind of an interesting role. You can encourage and, and provide the opportunity of motivation. You can help equip. I think you can, you're sort of like a fine tuner. Uh, on a piano. So like you can come in, that's not, not a great analogy, but I guess what I'm saying is as a, as a, a really great coach versus a, just a sort of a coach who's just there as a chaperone, right? What's really the difference? I don't think a really great coach is going to be able to take a quizzer, uh, any random quizzer and turn them from an average quizzer into an internationals quizzer. Uh, certainly that's not going to be able to happen overnight. I think if that transformation happens, it's because the quizzer is making that transformation and the coach is helping. Uh, but the transformation is really on the quizzer. What I think the coach can do is kind of tune everyone slightly sharp, right? If that makes any sense. So like, uh, a good coach can find a quizzer and help them be 5% better, 7% better, that kind of thing. Uh, and that at the upper levels of competition is actually a really big deal. Uh, it does, you know, 5% better makes a huge difference when you're at the upper, uh, upper tiers of quizzing because everyone's so tightly packed in terms of, of quality at that, at that tier. At the district level, though, more averagely in the middle, uh, you know, you can go in and you can and encourage and motivate and sort of sharpen somebody by 5%, but that may not be necessarily noticeable, uh, in terms of, say, their average, in terms of their performance. Maybe they, they feel better about the experience, which is great. It's motivating to feel good, uh, about the quizzing experience. Uh, and to, if you can get just one more question, that sort of starts a snowball effect of encouraging more memorization, which incur, which encourages, uh, better, uh, numbers, stats numbers, which encourages more motivation. It's sort of the snowball effect. But ultimately, really, the motivation has to, I believe anyway, has to come from the quizzer, right? The, the coach can be there as a support, uh, for the quizzer, but the quizzer really has to dig into themselves and say, like, I really want to, 
here's a goal I want to achieve, whatever that, that goal might be. I want to qualify for great, great West this year, whatever it happens to be. I, I want to qualify for internationals. I want to get my team into finals at at least one district meet or something like that, whatever the goal happens to be, right? The quizzer is where the source of that comes from. And then the coach encourages and motivates. So one of the things I think as a coach, you can do at the beginning of the year and then throughout the year is talk to your quizzers about you know, kind of what, like what Scott was saying, what do you want to achieve? What, why are you here? What, what, what can we do together to make quizzing the best possible experience for you? Uh, and so there are some folks who, uh, some quizzers who are, who are quite honest about it and saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I memorize a handful of verses, but honestly, I'm here for the fellowship. I'm here for the friendships. I'm here for the experience of traveling to different quiz meets. And that's totally cool. That's, that's a, that's a completely valid, you know, way to participate in, in quizzing. And so the coach can say, okay, great. How can I encourage that? How can I make that more uh, good, more gooder uh, for you? Right? Um, there are other quizzers who say, "Yeah, you know, I'm. I would like to do a little bit better in my quizzing. Um, here's a, a certain set of goals. Work with your quizzers to kind of set that stuff up. In some cases, uh, I found that some quizzers, and this was quite a number of years ago when I was coaching at the district level, but I found that a number of quizzers didn't really even know, at least in our church, didn't really know how to memorize. It was something that they hadn't really done in school. They didn't really have any experience with memorization. So the idea of saying, well, here's a book of the Bible, go and memorize it. That was very daunting for a lot of quizzers. And they would see some of our top tier quizzers from our church and say like, wow, that's impressive. I could never do that. And so one of the things that we did was we had a little, uh, like I think it was on a Saturday, we had a little Saturday afternoon workshop where we got, you know, maybe half of our, our quizzers together over at my apartment and we just memorized 10 verses together and we drilled it and we worked with each other and we split, split up into groups of three and four and then came together and, and one large group and worked on it, worked on it. And by the end of the time, we all had these 10 verses memorized, you know, and if you're, if you're one of the uh, stronger quizzers in a district, you might think, well, 10 verses, that's not very much. But for the folks that we were working with, the folks that we were mentoring, those 10 verses made a massive difference. Uh, I remember just a, it was maybe two weeks later, there was a district meet that we went to and every single person on our teams, I think we had like maybe three or possibly four teams. I think it was three teams at the time. I forget, but every single quizzer got at least one question at that meet. And that was hugely motivating to, to the team. And that one event really sort of carried the energy in the team throughout the rest of the, the year. So, I mean, little things that you can do like that, uh, can, can help encourage and motivate. The other thing that you can do also is, you know, these are, these are youth. Sometimes we, 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 uh, get overly starry eyed about how awesome they are. And they, they are awesome. They do some fairly awesome things, but these are youth that are dealing with a lot of emotions. And sometimes if they go into a competition, they think they're going to do well. They take risks and it works for a while, but then they take risks and it backfires. It can be emotionally, 
uh, troubling for them. It can be hard for some quizzers to, to deal with that. And so a coach needs to come alongside them, encourage them, uh, sometimes pray with them, sometimes just sit with them, you know, and, and, uh, encourage them to continue to stick with it, even though they're facing some trials and facing some struggles, uh, just to keep with it. And that's, that's another role that I think is important for coaches. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect. And there's nothing like seeing, you know, we, we all have the quizzers and have seen the quizzers who are, you know, fantastic, excellent quizzers. You know, you guys have had, you know, the David Norris's, Andrew Borden's of the world. And, you know, we've had the, you know, David Zimmerman's and, you know, Timmy Chung's. And, you know, we had a, a quizzer take <laughs> first a few years ago, you know, but we've all seen those quizzers. But then we have... Hannah was her name, but the, then you have the quizzers who, you know, getting that one question is going to just change how they view everything. Seeing that is probably the most fulfilling thing about coaching, about just quiz mastering anything. It's just seeing how, you know, something that seems so little to some people is just such a monster deal to them. So I agree completely with that. Yeah, it's very, it's very exciting to see that that one quizzer who hasn't gotten a question yet get one question and to see the expression on their face change right. is uh, it's just so beautiful it's such a beautiful thing so alan you mentioned in uh, show prep that you and your wife are in the role of church recruiting so uh, i'm very curious to hear kind of like what are you doing there what are some of, some of your strategies around it and um kind of tell me a little bit about what recruiting is for you okay so we um, the church that we attend, we are in the process of figuring out when we would do a, a quiz and demonstration. So how we have always, um, how my wife was introduced to quizzing and how many churches are introduced is that we'll take almost like a little scout team. We'll take a quiz box and we'll go to a church that allows us to do it. We'll set up and kind of the way they did at internationals last year, um, when Heather did such a great job just coordinating everything and, 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 and Lana with the quiz mastering, just getting up there and we'll just do random Bible trivia and we'll ask for some, some kids to come up and parents to come up and, you know, watch the kids try to beat their parents and vice versa and just demonstrate what it's like just to be on quiz seats, quiz pads. We'll introduce what we're studying that year and then we'll have a little sign up sheet. We'll see if anybody wants to sign up. Um, and what we have done in the past is we'll bring them to our first quiz meet or we'll invite them to that first quiz meet so they can see almost what it's like. And then if they like it, then they'll start that year, um, on the second quiz meet and then they'll go through, they'll get a year under their belt of what it's like to memorize, what it's like to jump against other kids. And then going into that following year, if everything goes well, then there'll be a church that will say, okay, we're going to adopt Bible quizzing. And, you know, it, it's what we look for is obviously are there kids, but are there involved parents or involved, you know, youth leaders who are going to say, okay, I'll coach a team or I'll, you know, conduct these practices or I'll, I want to learn how to do that because that's how you keep a church. You know, it, it'll be, it's awesome it doesn't matter if they come for one quiz or if they are a staple church. It's awesome to get them there at all. But church longevity is, are there people who are going to carry this without you being the one to have to do it? So 
um, us coming back into the district, this is our third full year back. And it's just put on my heart to just go out and find and send emails or talk to anyone. If I see somebody walk in with a bunch of kids, my wife and I look at each other and we'll say, yeah, it's a junior team right there. That's good. <laughs> and then we'll try to introduce ourselves to them at the end. But it's never a, it's never a, hi, I don't know who you are. Let's do Bible quizzing. It's just gauging, you know, their interest in something like it. So we got up in front of our church. Well, I got up in front of our church and just talked about what Bible quizzing was and people came up to us after. So that's how we do it there. There's a few churches that we're looking to get into to meet with some youth pastors, children's pastors. But it's really just putting yourself out there, you know, getting email addresses, getting contacts, making calls. The worst anybody can do is say no. But the worst we can do is not try. So that is how I approach um, church recruiting is just is that motto. The worst they can do is say no. The worst we can do is not try. That's a great motto. I really like that. I have been trying to recruit churches into quizzing for a couple of years now, maybe three years or something like that. I have uh, succeeded zero times so far. Um, so I must be doing something wrong. Um, <laughs> but I'm continuing to to try in earnest uh, to get more churches involved and and even organizations. So I'm I'm uh, talking right now with a uh, a boys uh, camp in uh, well, not exactly central Washington, sort of western central Washington to see if they want to. It's a Christian uh, youth camp and seeing if they want to try to sponsor some teams uh, into the program. And of course, talking to different churches all over the Pacific Northwest, uh, Moses Lake, Walla Walla and uh, Squim and golly, I can't even remember all the places I've been talking to. Uh, trying to encourage folks to, uh, you know, consider quizzing. Uh, you know, we have a little promo video that somebody put together a couple of years ago. And uh, so I've been sending them the promo video and, you know, throwing them at the website and that sort of stuff. Geographically, it's difficult for us to uh, get around uh, with a dem demo team. We uh, had thought about doing something like that a couple of years ago, but uh, logistically, it's just, uh, it's difficult with everybody's schedules. But uh, so we're just trying to, you know, send around this video and send around the website and so forth. And, uh, you know, there's some, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know, Alan, if you know this, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm an ordained pastor with Church of God. Oh, awesome. And every time I, uh, Every time I, I fellowship with some, uh, some pastors within our association, uh, inevitably I will bring up Bible quizzing. And so it's gotten to be almost like a joke within the, uh, within the Church of God pastorate in the Pacific Northwest. If Griffin walks into a room and there's two or three other people there and the conversation lasts more than five minutes, uh, there's a better than 80% chance that Bible quizzing is going to come up. Uh, so, you know, I, I figure I'm going to pester people endlessly in Christian love about quizzing. And maybe at some point, some church will break down and say, okay, okay. If, uh, if you promise to stop talking to us about quizzing, then we'll, we'll sponsor a team. And so I'd, I'd count that as a win, but it hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> that being said, I'm also extraordinarily not an extrovert. So I'm always looking for ways to, uh, ways to improve there. Well, so I, if I remember right, um, my wife and I came up to you and initiated contact. I like to, um, my goal at internationals every year is to develop a, I don't want to say a, like a brotherhood or anything, but develop a strong connection with someone who 
I will eventually speak to outside of international so that we're not just international friends. So last year, um, Canadian Midwest had different coaches. One of them was named Joran Green, who is probably one of my closest friends in Christ now. And it's just something that, you know, I've always, I don't ever want anybody to feel like they are not visible when they're around me. It's just something that has not always been that way for me um, because I used to be an introvert, used to have these weird things in my head that nobody would accept me for me type things. But God has overwhelmed that in my life to where I have this crazy energy within me to say everybody around me needs to feel like they are important because God made them that way. So it was important to me to let you know how great of a quiz master I thought you were, how great I thought you ran your room. And before even that, I just wanted to learn more. Okay, I've never seen you before. I've been at internationals a bunch. I know I hadn't been in a while, but I've never seen this guy before. He spells Griffin in a way I've never seen. Let's ask him about it. And, you know, doing that, um, my wife says I have this energy that I don't understand that I have, but it's just God. God wants me to go and make everyone around me see that he is glorious and he, for some weird reason, uses me to show himself off, which I'm awesomely happy about. So um, I, I guess the the best way I can say about how to be an extrovert is just understand that it doesn't have to be you, God. You will pray. Just ask God for all the courage that you need. And it's something that's of his will, obviously. He wants you to go make disciples of all nations and spread his word and share how beautiful Bible quizzing is and how beautiful the gospel is. He'll bless you. He'll give you that courage. And then he'll give you the rest that you need as an introvert to be alone and get some of that <laughs> recharge that introverts get when they're by themselves. But the power yeah. of God, that's all it is. Just the power of God. Well, I definitely want to affirm whatever gift that is in you. Uh, I want to <laughs> affirm that I saw that. I think you you and your wife were like some of the first people I befriended at the quiz meet. And it was always just a joy uh, when you guys uh, walked into my room and it'd be like, oh, it's Metro, you know, that kind of thing. It was just uh, I, I really kind of felt uh, welcomed and, uh, you know, it was it was kind of uh, not scary, but slightly intimidating to show up to internationals after having not been there for, I don't know, golly, a long time. Right. Uh, you know, at least 10 or 15 years or something. I forget how long it's been. Uh, and, and, you know, showing up kind of out of the blue and, hey, guess what? You're a quiz master. Uh, you know, it's, it's daunting. It, it feels weird. Uh, and, uh, to have you guys there and, and, uh, befriending me and encouraging me, I, I just want to say like, it was great to meet you guys there. And I totally see that gift God has given to you, uh, to be able to, you know, bridge connections. Uh, and, and it's just, it was great. And so I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your wife and I appreciate what you did there. Oh, it's, it's no problem. Oh, glory to God. Always. Well, so I was promised that you have a weird P and W story. So I'm I have no idea what this is, but I'm very deeply curious. What <laughs> tell me about this weird P and W story? Right. So first, Scott, what years were you a quizzer? Two thousand one through two thousand four. Okay, oh one to four. Okay, so um, we might have quizzed around the same time. So interesting. So 
I thought I remembered you, like your face from Cousin. But okay, so this was before your time. My first international was 1998. Um, I had never. I went to Worlds the year before, which is different. They have weird question types. If we have time later, I can talk about a little bit of those. Those are different. But 98, I remember being there and seeing all the teams. And I remember P&W. I didn't know what P&W meant, so I went up to one of the quizzes and asked them because I guess God was planning that seed early. And I was like, okay. Nope, second Northwest. I didn't know who would be good or who would not be good. I knew that Northeastern was excellent. Back then, they had some of some monster quizzes back then. But I remember every time there would be a, qu- a quiz of P&W. So the quiz master would, you know, begin the quiz. And before each question, they would stomp three times and clap before every question. And the, I remember was, this. It was a three-stomp clap. And I remember sitting there looking at one of my teammates and saying, I don't know if I hate them or if this is the coolest thing I've ever seen because I, it didn't dawn on me till later that it can be slightly distracting to other teams. I don't know if they meant it that way, but that's how I took it. And I was like, this is brilliant gamesmanship because we're going to be thinking, are they going to do the stomp clap thing again? And every time I hear PNW, every time, doesn't matter how it's 21 years later. And I think, are they going to bring the stomp clap back? Because I can't steal it because that's, you know, it's plagiarism. I, I, I refuse to subscribe to that. But I just remember it being like, why does no one else do this? Have they always done this? Is this what happens at internationals? Is this like a mating ritual? Is this like a song for, like, <laughs> I don't understand what it is, but they just kept doing it. And obviously they were really good because your district has always been very good, but in, and I don't think you can be like a bad team and do that because then it's just like, all right, now you're just making noise and distracting everyone, but they would do it and then they would get questions. And I was like, all right. So the next year I was like, I'm going to do the stomp clap thing in districts. And I did it once. I think I got a foul and then that was it. Never done it again. So you got fouled. How did did you get fouled? I think, you know, it's just like a team cheer, right? Yeah. But like, if you're the only one doing it, is it really a team cheer or is it just, what is he doing? You know, (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) So that is my PMW memory forever. Like, I don't understand where it came from, but I know that it was you guys. And if you remember it, it's going to make me feel like I'm not crazy. I remember it. So uh, so it was two stomps. So it was a left foot stomp, right foot stomp, and then a clap. Yes. Right? So like stomp, stomp, clap, right? Yeah, totally. I absolutely remember this. Uh, it, I don't believe... I, I believe it was entirely organic. I mean, I, I think... Because I remember it at the district level uh, happening. And I'm trying to remember what team did it. It was a specific church that did it. Or a couple of, of of teams from a specific church, but I can't remember which one it was. And then that was probably just it was something that probably just got carried on into internationals. And it was just sort of a you know like like like, like a team cheer. So like you know some of these teams would come in with these you know crazy team cheers. That was their team cheer. It was just two two stomps and a clap, and okay. it was like uh, that was all it is. But I I, I absolutely remember that uh, from the way back times. Okay, good. All right, so that's that's something I can cross off my list. Pretty sure it was them. It was going to be very weird if it wasn't you guys, 
uh, because I set this up to be like some awesome story. That's why I asked when Scott quiz. Cause I was like, well, like, was he a stomp, stomp clapper? Because this is going to be, because I, I just need to know. I don't know if Christine was on that team. She's awesome coach, by the way, but um, she is, but I don't remember if she was on that team. I, I just need to see somebody from that team and be like, thank you for getting me a foul for the first time ever. It might have yeah, been. I'm, yeah, it definitely wasn't my team because um, I remember because my first year at internationals was 03, and there was another team that was exceedingly nice, but all four members on the stage would get up to like get a high five for any other quizzer who had won a jump, regardless of if they got it right or wrong. Yeah, and it got old really, really fast, and so there was <laughs> at one at one, and it, but it was hard to be mean because they were like completely genuine about it. Um, but there was at one point in our quiz where one of our quizzers like shooed four standing members at, holding out their hands, like just with his hands, just shooed them away, and like I think we all wanted to like applaud him because we're like we just <laughs> want to get ready for the next question and like right. it's fine if this is a few times a quiz but so i think i would have been very upset with any team that was stop stop clapping with any regularity yeah no I, I that that makes perfect sense there's you know it's kind of, it's something that goes on at internationals now and i'm like okay this is you know it's beautiful let's fellowship with everyone but the competitive part of me is just like all right like leave my kids let them get focused a little, but then you just think it's okay. So <laughs> it's all right. But the, the, the stomp stop clap has to come back. That's a request that I have for next year. <laughs> it just has to, even if you just do it once and just look over at me and say, this is for you, Alan, I would appreciate it. So I don't care who coaches, whoever's on this team. I just need one stomp stomp clap this year at internationals. All right, quizzers, you've heard the request from Metro. You've been called out. We need to bring back the stomp, stomp, clap. <laughs> just one stomp. Just, just one. No, no, no. See, but that's the beauty of it. Like, no, it's just once, it's just kind of like, you know, a little bit of nostalgia. But, like, the whole thing of, like, doing it before every single yeah. time in. Maybe is, no, no, they wouldn't do it before every – they wouldn't do it before every question. It was only right before a time in, right? Um, That part, I'm not sure. But maybe I'm a grumpy old man now, but I think once to be enough, and then we're okay with just <laughs> once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of the, some of the cheers from, uh, some of the cheers from internationals were inventive, uh, to were. say the least. All right. So you, you had said something when you were talking about the weird PNW story. You, you talked about something else that was weird, which was the, uh, weird question types from world. Yes. Uh, what, what are some of the weird question types? Um, two jump off the top of my head. They have finished this in the next two verses. They have um, finished these three verses, and I believe they have. Um, I don't. I don't know if they have quote three, but I know they have finished this in the next two and finished these three verse questions. Those are intense. That's awesome. Yes, I, I love it. Oh, it's amazing. I was never a finished quizzer, so I was like, "All right, you guys have fun with that." But watching it was it. I think we should incorporate it. I think get your material to a point where, you know, when we do quote drills at our apex, we would quote through plenty of verses in order to get three verses in 30 seconds. That's fine. That's one verse every 10 seconds. You can quote one word at a time slowly and get through that. I think those are awesome type questions. Um, they always had the assigned chair bonuses, but those quote these three finish these three and finish this in the next two i think those are awesome yeah 
Well, as it turns out, uh, CMA has incorporated some question types from world over the past few years yeah. already. So like the whole, you know, quote this in the next, uh, or quote these two verses and finish this in the next, that, that all comes from, uh, world. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, that, that invasive, uh, <laughs> invasive question types is, is already thing. So you might get your wish here in another year or two. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I hope so. They should bring it back for adult quizzing at first, you know, because that, yeah, that would absolutely. be that would be fun. Well, so had, I don't know if you've heard the podcast where we were talking about some of those more complicated questions and the idea around awarding point differences, yes, uh, based on question types. So, what are your thoughts about that? I think I, it's hard to it's hard to say, I guess, because there are certain nuances that I think we have to figure out as far as kinks of how to work them out. But that's how my brain works. I think, okay, this is a great idea. How do we get to the finished product best? So I'm thinking, you know, if you were, you know, when you have to quote these two or finish these two verses, maybe those should be automatic 30-point questions instead of 20-point questions. Or if you, you know, you have weighted, I think it was when you guys had Heather on from CMD, she was talking about how they kind of weight how you answer questions. And if you get a higher rating, if you get up um, on a, on a formation of the mouth and you get the right verse number and you break down the verse, right. And then you get the question, it counts for more. I think things like that make sense. Um, and harder question types. I love interrogatives. I think they're amazing. I made my, my bones off interrogative questions. Um, but there's something to be said about an excellent CVR quizzer because that's just beautiful quizzing to me, getting up on a number, breaking it down, quoting it backwards, getting to the right question. That is something that, you know, I think those question types, you know, and the harder question types, you know, somebody wanted to say, you know, these are worth a little bit more. These are weighted a little bit more. I'd be fine with that. Anything just to shape it. I don't think we should ever, ever be stagnant in anything that we do because that's just, you know, the more you try to stop learning and evolving, then something dies. I never, ever want this to die. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Now, well, you mentioned one thing there. Oh, sorry, Scott, go ahead. No, Heather's description of their, their one day kind of, it's not purely internationals qualification, but it counts a ton for internationals qualification. It sounds like something I wouldn't enjoy probably more than internationals. Yeah. Um, just because of how finely they grade the quizzers on like low level criteria of good quizzing. Whereas Absolutely. at internationals, um, it sounds like the questions have gotten a lot better in the last few years where they're very random and there's some easy ones and there's some hard ones. And so it's really the teams that do know the material better as a whole and have um, consistency and um, accuracy and jumping that do well. But there was a period of time where the questions were just very, very easy. And so every team just jumped super fast. And um, did you get lucky and get the keyword on the first syllable or right, not? Right. And, and to me, that's not, it's basically almost purely luck at that point. Whereas the incorporation of something like maybe you points, 20 points, well, automatically, instead of 12 quizzers wanting to jump on this question, maybe it's two, maybe it's four. And right. it's automatically rewarding material knowledge and preparation more. And it's still keeping the balance of it's a fun competition, with randomness, and some luck in it. Because 
we don't want to purely measure material knowledge because then we just have a quoting B, which would be no fun and no one would really want to study to do that. Right. Um, and so I think something like one finish these three or quote these three a quiz that's 30 points would be definitely a fun wrinkle. Um, but it, it's cool what CMD does for that one meet. And it, it's too bad that it doesn't scale. I mean, they need a panel of taught judges to grade right. like each and every question. Um, but I don't know. I just love that very, very specific look, grading of these are the things that go into being a really, really good quizzer. Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes, I think your idea that you just threw out was probably the best version of that. There's one, you know, maybe there's a quote these three and a finish these three, and there's two of those per quiz and they're worth 30 points. I think that, I mean, that would be super, super fun. Absolutely. Then, yeah. I- and then your third question bonus is just a 40-point question. Like, all of a sudden, you're down 40 points on question 20, and it happens to pop up, and you'll get that plus your third person, something crazy like that. That sounds awesome to me. Absolutely. And it'd be simple just to make that that 30-point question, if it's an individual quizzer quizzing out, they don't get 100. They, they just get 90, but the team gets that extra 10 points. You know, So the, the it's pretty simple to yeah. implement. Yeah, I agree. We are geniuses. I don't know if you know this or not, but we are geniuses. <laughs> Yep, we prove it every podcast. <laughs> well, so uh, speaking of something that you had mentioned, uh, Alan, you had talked about adult uh, quizzing. Uh, I have an announcement to make. Uh-huh. Uh, for P&W, we are going to try an experiment this coming season. We are still the rules committee. We have a, a we have a board of directors, and then underneath them is a rules committee that is responsible for you know, well, I guess all the rules uh, that we do things. All the, not so much logistics, although there's some of that, but it's really more uh, what kind of rules we're going to use and the structure of meets and so forth. So the rules committee is currently looking into all of the specific implications of how to have a uh, a trial on a trial basis an adult league uh, for quizzing in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's going to be pretty minimalistic to start out with. Uh, you know, this first year is just going to be an experimental year. Uh, we are pro- we're, we're doing it in such a way that obviously we are not going to do anything that's going to compromise or detra- distract or take away from youth league quizzing. That's always going to be the number one uh, thing that we are all about. Uh, but the idea with Adult League is we're going to try to squeeze in one, maybe two quizzes uh, per quiz meet where we can have uh, adults come together into teams and quiz. And so this is basically anybody who's aged out of the youth program uh, would be eligible. Uh, although I want to talk to the rules committee a little bit about uh, do we want to put some structure around eligibility for adult league? So say it's, you know, it really needs to be somebody who's either a coach or an official or volunteer or something like that, uh, rather than just, you know, random people. We want to you know, try to do this to support uh, youth quizzing. And so, yeah, we're, we're going to, try it out. We have no real idea how it's going to work. I mean, we definitely can't do brackets and we're not even going to try. We're definitely, we have no idea how many people are going to sign up and and stick with it throughout the season, but we're going to give it a try and see what, what happens. And I've heard that there are at least a couple of other districts around based on the chatter that we had at internationals that are at least very open to the idea of doing something similar. Now, I don't know if they're 
going to try to implement it or what they're going to do there. But uh, I just wanted to let everybody know that P&W is going to give it a try this this coming season. That's That's awesome. awesome. All right. Well, with that, I think we are just a few minutes over our allotted time schedule, but it's been a massive amount of fun. Alan, thank you so much for being part of the show. It's been great to have you. I want to let everybody know that, of course, we very much would appreciate any kind of feedback, especially disagreements, but really any sort of feedback that you have for us. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at iq at cbqz.org. And uh, please follow us on Twitter. Our uh, Twitter account is at Inside Quizzing. And so, Alan, thank you. And Scott, thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, guys, again. It was it was awesome. I'd love to... Anytime you guys want to have me on, you let me know, and I am yours. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Have a good evening. <laughs>